All right. Um, if you guys wouldn't mind, grab your Bible. Grab uh, something if you want to take notes, something to write with or a notepad or something like that. But we're going to we're going to dig into the word. Um, it's Palm Sunday. So we are going to be talking about the triumphal entry and we're going to be in Luke. So go ahead and, and open up to Luke 19 uh, and crack it open. And we're going to be talking about that today. Hi, Michelle. Wow. we got a lot of people. Awesome. Good to see everybody. Kathy, Kayla's watching. I bet all the kids are watching too. Hi, kids. Hope you guys are doing okay. That's James saying hi. He was waving. Good to see you guys. All right. So today uh, we're in Luke 19. And I'm going to go ahead and just pray for us before we start. Uh, before I start my sermon. So Lord, we just thank you. God, we just thank you for this opportunity to gather together. Your word says, don't neglect meeting together. And Lord, we are so grateful for the opportunity to meet together. God, it may not be exactly how we envision it being, but it's exactly how you envision it, Lord. And your spirit is with us wherever we go. So we just thank you so much uh, for another opportunity to see one another and that your presence, Lord, would unite us, that your spirit would unite us. In your name, Lord, amen. This is a communion of saints. This is all of us gathered here together. It's never looked exactly like it should look, right? Even in the first century, when the church was just starting out, you had divisions, you had people um, setting up rival camps. You know, Paul talks about some of you people say, oh, I have Cephas, I have Paul, I have all this stuff, I have Apollos, and, and he kind of describes some of the divisions in the early church. So a lot of times we we look to the early church and we're like, oh man, why can't it be like that? But the reality is it's never been perfect. It's never been um, that sort of perfect setting. And so this is not anything new. This is not disruption. This is simply us uh, living out our Christian walk um, in the way that God has us living it out right now. And we're going to keep on doing this. We're going to keep on meeting together. We're going to keep on uh, meeting virtually until we can meet in person. Uh, we're not going to stop. So good to see everybody this morning. All right. So Luke 19, this is Palm Sunday. It's a day of pro provision and praise. That's what I'm going to be talking about today, provision and praise. God provided a lamb for all of humanity, for all of creation on Palm Sunday. And the people, we respond with praise and thanksgiving for God's mercy to us. Uh, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to read this passage, and I, I've broken it up into two sections. And the first section, we're going to talk about provision. The second section, we're going to talk about praise. So this is Luke 19, verses 28 through 35. I'm going to go ahead and read this out loud. It says, after Jesus had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethphage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying to them, go into the village ahead of you. And as you enter it, you'll find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Tell him, the Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found just as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying this colt? And they replied, the Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus onto it. First, we see, G we see God's provision. In this passage, um, 
since his public ministry began about three years earlier, Jesus had always been constantly telling people, telling his disciples, there's going to come a time I'm going to go to Jerusalem and I will be killed and then I will raise from the dead. He was saying that constantly. He always had a mission in his mind, always moving towards Jerusalem, always going towards that goal. Yet as he approached Bethphage here on the road to Jerusalem, so Bethphage is a small village outside of Jerusalem. It's on the road to Jerusalem. And as he is approaching it, we discover that despite having three years to prepare for this moment, Jesus does not have everything that he needs. He's lacking something important. I hate being unprepared. But what I hate even more than being unprepared is being overprepared. And I have the privilege of being married to somebody uh, who has the exact opposite strength as I do. I'm very privileged to be married to somebody who is more concerned about being underprepared than she is about being overprepared. It means that so when something like a quarantine hits, uh, we have enough toilet paper. All of a sudden, the three cases of refried beans in our basement make a lot more sense, right? I'm convinced that if my wife were here, one of Jesus' disciples, it, was at the, it would be at this point in the story where she would pull out like three colts and a horse uh, and a chariot and a donkey. Uh, she'd be passing out palm branches to everybody, passing out coats. She is well-prepared. She's a well-prepared person. But they didn't have any of those things. Jesus was lacking. He was underprepared, right? Instead, Jesus sends two of his disciples to go find a ride into town. Go find a colt. You enter this village. There's going to be a colt. Go grab him. Jesus had come all the way to Jerusalem, all the way to the end of his journey. His life work, right? The culmination of his ministry, the culmination of the whole plan, he'd come right to the end of it, and he was not prepared. Sometimes it looks to me like God is unprepared. I wonder if you've ever had that feeling. Maybe you've even had it recently, where you look around and you say, God, were you were you expecting this? Did you... Do you know what's going on right now? Do you know what's happening? Are you watching? Are you prepared for this? In Psalm 35, this is what David, King David, he writes this in Psalm 35. He says, how long, Lord, will you look on? Lord, you have seen this. Do not be silent. Do not be far from me, Lord. Awake and rise to my defense. Contend for me, my God and Lord. Vindicate me in your righteousness, Lord, my God. Jesus doesn't have a cult. And without a cult, he can't fulfill the promises about his own coming. In Zechariah, in the prophet Zechariah, uh, we read this. It says, rejoice greatly, daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. How irresponsible of Jesus. Come on, man. He messed this up. He had a plan. You know, he knew the verses, he knew the prophecies, he could have planned ahead and had a cult with him. He didn't have a cult, but he did have two disciples. Back in Luke 9, we see this great crowd of people. Do you remember this story? There's a whole crowd of people that Jesus has been teaching. And all of a sudden, they're stuck out in the wilderness, and Jesus' disciples, they come to him and they say, Look, Jesus, here's the deal. People are uh, hungry. We're out in the middle of the wilderness. Can you send everybody home? Let them go home. Let them find some food to eat. And Jesus turns to his disciples and he says, you give them something to eat. You give them something to eat. Haven't you figured out yet that you are my ambassadors? 
Haven't you figured out yet that you are a part of the plan? We look everywhere for God's provision. We forget the fact that God has provided us. God has given us the duty of being a part of his plan. What if God has designated you to be part of the answer to the prayer that you've been praying? What if God has decided that you would be the answer to that prayer? Smith Wigglesworth, he said this. He said, the power of God takes you out of your plans and puts you into God's plans. The power of God takes you out of your plans and puts you into the plan of God. So these two disciples that Jesus sends, all of a sudden they find themselves playing an indispensable role in the drama of Holy Week, right? The whole drama of the whole thing, the whole Palm Sunday gig, these two disciples play an indispensable role in it. They are vital to the plan. If they don't find this donkey, if they don't find this cult, prophecy is not going to be fulfilled. The whole thing is not going to go as planned. Their action or inaction plays a key role in the tapestry that God is playing. I say that again. Their action or inaction play a key role in the tapestry that God is weaving in history. Brother and sister, whether or not you decide to take action on your faith has incredible consequences on the drama of history. You, you right now, you, a disciple of Jesus, have a vital role to play in the work that God is doing, in the work of the kingdom advancing. What is God speaking to your heart? Is there a promise that you've made to God that you have not yet fulfilled? Is there a small doubt that's keeping you from a relationship with Jesus? Is there something, that a roadblock in the way that's stopping you from filling out, from fulfilling the plan that God has put in your life? What is God speaking to your heart? What promise have you made? Go. Down in the village, there's a cult there. Untie it. Bring it back here. Go. Speak to your neighbor. Go. Call that person. Go. Be a part of the solution to the problem. Go and live out an act of God in your neighborhood, in your community. There's truth to be discovered in scripture. There's faith to be shared. You have a vital role to play in the drama that God is living out. And we cannot do without you. We really cannot do without you. That's the point. That's the point. When God needed provision, when Jesus needed a cult, he didn't make one magically appear. He didn't pull one out of his back pocket. He sent his disciples to go and get it. That is our role to play. When God has work to do, he sends you. He sends you to go and do it. The reality is that even though this might look a little haphazard, we begin to get the sense through this Reading of uh, this passage here in Luke, and as we go on, we get, begin to get this sense that all of this is a part of somehow, a part of God's plan. It's being orchestrated by God in some way. How did Jesus know that there was going to be a cult there? How did Jesus know that they were going to ask what they were doing with it? Even though on Good Friday, Jesus may look the part of a victim. In reality, he is the victor. In reality, this is still in the control of God. And although here on Palm Sunday, it appears that God is lacking provision, it appears that Jesus is lacking provision. In fact, God has provided him with everything he needs. And in your life, even though right now it may look like a lack of provision, even though right right now it may look like there's need, there's lack, I want to tell you that God has provided for you everything that you need in Christ Jesus. There is a solution to these problems. So first we see the provision of God. 
And now we're going to read about the praises of the people. So I'm going to go ahead and go on. This is uh, verses 36 through 40. So as he went along, he's on the cult now. He's moving towards Jerusalem. As he went along, the whole crowd of disciples, I'm sorry, as he went along, the people spread out their cloaks on the road. And when he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the disciples in the crowd said to Jesus, teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. Listen to the people's praises. They say, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. I'm often amazed. Amazed at the amount of pain that we allow ourselves to go through. Until finally we come to Jesus. Here is a king who comes in the name of the Lord. Here is strength. Here is hope. Here is provision. Here is peace. Here is joy. And yet we so often on our own strength, our own gas, on our own ability, make it as far as we can before coming to him. Psalm 118 says, the Lord has done it this very day. Let us rejoice today and be glad. Lord, save us. Lord, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Today is the day to let go of pride. Palm Sunday is a great day to let go of pride, to lay it down, literally lay it down at the feet of Jesus and to begin to rely upon him. This king has conquered death. Let him carry the anxiety that troubles us. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. And the people begin to sing peace in heaven, glory in the highest. The death of Christ is the beginning of peace on earth. In Luke 2, you read about some shepherds who are greeted by an angel when Jesus is born. And then suddenly it says a great company of angels appeared with the angel praising God and saying glory to God in the highest heaven. And on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. This promise of peace that the angels hold forth at Christmas is fulfilled here on Palm Sunday. The peace of God descending on earth through the power of the cross. And that same peace, that same peace is present here today. We need that same peace in our lives. How many of you need peace in your lives during this time? I certainly need peace in my life during this time. That peace is present. That peace is wholly present in the man of Jesus Christ. And we only need to reach out and grab it. So many people, I think, are so anxious during this time. Brother, sister, I don't, I don't know what the future holds. I really don't. And I wish I could give you some assurance of the future. All I know, and this I've known this for so many years, is that no matter what the future holds, I'm unconcerned with it. Because I have God here in my presence. I have Jesus here in my presence, and I know that he's going to be with me tomorrow. He's going to be with me the next day. Death comes. It does. It comes to each one of us, and eventually it'll come to me. But I know even in that day that Jesus is going to be with me, that he's not going to abandon me. That's my hope. That's my peace. That's my joy. I don't have to worry about anything. I don't have to worry about the future. I'm not worried about anything. I have Jesus here with me today. That's the peace that surpasses understanding. 
people look at that and they say, that's crazy. Why would you, why wouldn't you be concerned? Why wouldn't you be worried? I'm going to act appropriately. Of course, I'm not going to try to infect anybody if I get sick and I don't want people to affect my children or me or, or my family. I act appropriately, but I'm not anxious about it. I'm not. I know that Jesus is with me. I know that he's going to see us through. Adrian just wrote, Jesus, the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's right, Adrian. That's right. But the praises of the people are uh, becoming scandalous in the ears of some people. Uh, in the ears of the Pharisees, right? The praises are scandalous. And they come to Jesus and they say, come on, man. Come on. Enough is enough. Honestly, like this is this is enough now. Uh, they say you're a king. People are starting to say that you're going to bring peace to the world. You got to rebuke these people. Rebuke these disciples of yours. Shut them up, man. This is this is too much. And it's interesting because it says that the Pharisees who are in the crowd. So these are Pharisees that maybe they're Pharisees that they were on the fence about Jesus. You know, they had seen his miracles. There was plenty of Pharisees that liked Jesus. We have stories in the New Testament about Pharisees helping them out. So I wonder if these are Pharisees that are actually part of his crew, part of his disciples that have been kind of hanging around him. But even these people now that they've, they've kind of accepted a bit of Jesus, but now even they is saying, this is too much. Jesus, you got to rebuke these people. You got to, you got to stop these people from saying these things. This isn't right. This isn't right. It's amazing how quickly opposition comes when we begin to praise the Lord. It's amazing how quickly that comes. It's scandalous because it's a rejection of all other gods. It's a rejection of the world. It's a rejection of uh, what people might put on the throne of their hearts and of their lives. Praising God is a rejection of all those things. Praise is defiance in the face of a status quo. Praise is saying, I choose hope over despair. Praise is saying, I'm choosing faith over fear. Write this down. You should write this down. If you're taking notes somewhere, write this down. For the duration of this whole quarantine business, from now until when it all officially ends, spend time each day praising God. Spend just a little bit of time. You could do it listening to a YouTube video. You could do it reading some of the Psalms. You could do it just recounting out loud the blessings that God has given you in your life. But spend some time each day, the rest of this whole thing, praising God. I guarantee you it will completely transform the way that you approach these trials will completely transform the way you approach these troubles because you're reminding yourself, that's right, I serve a God who is full of compassion. I serve a God who is mighty to save. I serve a God who can do all these things. Remind yourself of those things and speak forth his praises. The Pharisees want Jesus to rebuke these people, to shut them up. But instead, he has a message to the Pharisees, right? He says, listen to me. Listen up. Even if they keep quiet, even if I did rebuke these people. And I made them all be quiet. The stones themselves would begin to cry out. I'm not interested in any rock taking my place in the kingdom of God. I'm going to praise God. I'm going to live my life in praise and adoration. Historically, as we kind of zoom out of this picture now, we've looked at kind of the specifics of it. Now let's zoom out a little bit. Historically, there's precedent. There's precedent for a triumphal entry of sorts. Whenever a conquering army would go out, they would conquer a territory, they would take over a land or a people group. And then when they came back to their home city, they would have a procession, they have a long triumphal procession uh, where they would parade everything uh, that they had acquired. The very front of the line, the very first people to enter into the city were the slaves. They had just conquered these people, they had abducted them, they'd taken them away. They put them in the front and marched them into the city. And after the slaves came the treasures, any treasures that they uh, had taken from the land that they had conquered. 
And then the multitudes of soldiers would come, the legions, all dressed up in their military outfits and carrying spears and swords. They would be marched in. And then at the very end of the procession uh, would come the generals. The head general, the person who is uh, most responsible for the victory, uh, would be last. He would be in a chariot pulled by white horses. He would wear a, a laurel wreath on his head signifying victory um, and conquest. And he would go straight into the city in Rome uh, it, when, they, when this happened. And this happened uh, frequently because Rome was a very conquering imperial country. When, when this happened in Rome, the chariot with the general goes straight to the temple of Zeus, to the temple of Jupiter. And would offer sacrifice there uh, in honor of the in honor of the victory that he had had, and everyone began to sing uh, praises and shout uh, praises in honor of the the victory. Jesus contrasted with all this. Jesus never con conquered anybody. You know, he he came on a on a colt, came on a donkey into the city. He didn't wear any laurel on his head, but we learn soon that he wears a crown of thorns. And if we read on in Luke, we discover that he does go straight to the temple when he enters Jerusalem. But instead of offering sacrifices, he begins to drive out the people who are exploiting citizens there. He begins to drive out the money changers. And the people do sing hymns on Palm Sunday. But then on Good Friday, just a few days later, they begin to sing something else. They begin to shout, crucify, crucify. Friends, that's what we celebrate today. That's what we're celebrating here. It's the beginning of peace. It's the beginning of our peace, of our joy and our happiness. We offer Jesus our praise and our adoration because hidden in Good Friday, hidden in the tragic death of Jesus is the promise of Easter, the promise of resurrection. And I would say also that's our peace hidden in death, in our own lives, hidden in tragedy, hidden in suffering, is the promise of resurrection, is the promise of new life in Christ. So what we're going to do now is we're going to take communion together. So I want to encourage you, if you have some crackers or if you have some bread, I don't know if we have any crackers or anything like that. We'll find something here. Should have been more prepared, Pastor. But if you, if you have uh, some crackers or some bread, um, go ahead and gather them together. All right. Here's some crackers. If you want to get a little juice box, too. Okay. Thanks. Communion is a reenactment of death. Did you know that? It's a reenactment of death. Um, we talk about bread as a body. We break it, right? like Jesus' body was broken. We talk about juice or wine as um, blood that Jesus shed. We're reenacting death. And it takes on a special meaning, I think, today, uh, because today is the last Sunday before uh, Good Friday. Today is, uh, there's a juice box in the cupboard. Yeah. Today is the last Time to take communion before we take it again on Good Friday. Um, so we're thinking about Easter. We're thinking about those things. If you have a if you have a child in your house, if you have a child watching with you, could you take the elements of communion? Abigail, you want to come here, baby? Abigail, come here. 
You want to help me? You gotta stand right there. Perfect. Okay. So, uh, would you have your children? We're gonna have our kids pray over our elements of communion. Abigail, can you hold? Can you put your hands on these things while I'm praying? Yeah, you hold. Put your hands on this one too. So, if you have a kid, go ahead and have them just hold your elements of communion. We like to do this on Sunday morning, but um, since we're not together, uh, go ahead and do it where you're at. Let's pray together. Dear Jesus, we thank you so much for communion. We thank you so much for the sacrifice that you made for us. And Lord, I pray that as we take these things together, God, that you would be in our presence, Lord, that you would uh, come and be with us. Lord, join us together in your presence and in your death, we pray. Amen. Thank you, sweetheart. It says the Apostle Paul writes in uh, 1 Corinthians 11. He says this, for I receive from the Lord that which I also give to you, that Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread and he broke it. When he had given thanks, he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Would you take the bread? And Paul writes, in the same way, after supper, he took the cup. And he said, this cup is the new covenant of my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Would you drink together? And Paul says this. Whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. You proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. I want to end uh, our time together by reading you a hymn. This was written 400 years ago in Germany. The reality is that Palm Sunday has not only come into our world in a time of crisis, it's also come into our hearts every day of the year. And it, the question that it asks us is the same. How will you respond? How will you respond to this king? Will you open the doors of your own heart and accept him in? Will you rely on him? Will you find peace in him? Will you find victory over death in him? Or will you not? How will you respond to this table? To the body and the blood of Christ? Will you accept them? Will you allow them to nourish you? Would you allow them to sustain your life? Or will you reject them? Let me read you this hymn. Lift up your heads, ye mighty gates. Behold, the King of glory waits. The King of kings is drawing near. The Savior of the world is here. Fling wide the portals of your heart. Make it a temple set apart. From earthly use for heaven's employ. Adorned with prayer and love and joy. So come, my sovereign, enter in. Let new and nobler life begin. Thy Holy Spirit guide us on until our glorious goal is won. Today is the beginning of the end of death. It's the beginning of peace and of love and of joy. It's the beginning of peace in spite of our circumstances. It's love that wraps us up even when we're not feeling it. It's love that sustains us. 
It's joy that descends into our darkest moments, into our darkest times together. Would you decide today to let the King of Glory into your life, into the temple of your own heart? And I know that that's something that, you know, oftentimes we talk about in terms of new believers, in terms of people who have never accepted Christ into their life. I realize that. But I think oftentimes people who have known Christ for years, maybe even decades, and yet still they have not fully let him into his into their life. They've not fully allowed Jesus to have the rule and reign over their heart. And when push comes to shove in their own life, they begin to grasp for other things. Would you decide today to let Jesus be your all in all? Trust in nothing but him. And he will see you through. Yes, he will even see you through to death. So let me pray for us. Let me pray for you. If that's something that you feel like, you know, Pastor, I I realize, I recognize the fact that even if I know Christ, even if I have known him for years, there's still a part of my life that I've shut him out of. I want to encourage you as I pray, would you just pray with me? We're going to pray together and we're just going to invite Jesus in. This is Palm Sunday, just like Jerusalem invited him in. Let's pray that Christ would have a place in our own heart. So would you pray with me? Lord, I open myself up to you. Come and make your dwelling here with me. Come and be the king of my life. Come into the temple of my heart and be with me. And Lord, I pray for a blessing on each one of these people. God, I ask that your spirit would be with them and guide them. Lord, I ask that your sacrifice on the cross would provide for them their peace and their comfort and their joy. Lord, would you be the God of all comfort to those right now who are without a job? Lord, would you sustain them during this time of, uh, time of emptiness? God, would you give them what they need to survive? Lord, we also ask and pray for those who are on the front lines of this misery. Lord, for doctors and nurses, God, for those even in our own midst, I pray especially for Christy Doyle and for Adrienne Ernst, who are healthcare workers. Lord, any other ones that are in our midst, but also everyone here in Lincoln City uh, at the Samaritan Hospital. And Lord, especially we lift up to you, New York City, God, and uh, Seattle, Lord, Dallas now, and and, uh, New Orleans, places where, Uh, They're really getting hit so hard. We just pray for strength for those doctors, for those nurses. Lord, would you sustain them? God, give them your grace and your mercy and your protection, Lord. Lord, would you bring a swift end to these troubles that we are in? God, but even if these things lasted for the rest of our lives, even if they lasted for years upon years, we would still come before you and say, God, you are good. We would still offer you our praises because you have provided for us new life. And we thank you for that. Please be with these people. Be with each of them. In your name, Lord. And now to him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy to the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority, both now and forever. Amen. Well, we have a devotional tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. We have devotionals Mondays, Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays at 10. You're welcome to join us. We have a Bible study at 6.30. Sorry, we have a Bible study at 6.30. 
uh, which we're very excited about um, and people have really enjoyed. So please join us for that. And then we also have this week, um, Good Friday service at 6 p.m. and Easter sunrise service at 6.30 as well as our Easter, ser our Easter service at 10 a.m. God bless you guys. Uh, I hope that you're doing well. Uh, you're always in my prayers. So go with God, continue to connect with one another. Uh, and thanks for stopping in. Thanks for coming to church this morning. Be blessed.